Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Good to see you, Mama Thomas. Amen. Miss you on Sunday. Good to be with you tonight. Amen. Well, let's stand. Amen. We're going to go before the Lord in prayer tonight. They said insanity is to do the same thing over and over and expect a different result. Insanity. You and I would be considered insane if we keep doing the same things over and over and over and over and hope and expect for a different result. So what does that mean to us as Christians? It means we're living our Christian life as we always do, but we're expecting something to change. If we want to see change as Christians, we're going to have to change something in our regular way of being every day. That's a fact. So you may be doing really good. You wake up, you pray, you live your life right, you try to do the right thing, you read your Bible, and you're doing that, but in your mind, you're praying, God, I want to see a change in my life. And God is saying, okay, I'm going to have you do something differently. And we refuse to follow that different thing, whether it's God telling you directly or God using me to tell you what you need to do. And you decide, well, that sounds good, but I don't think that's something I need to do. When you've been praying, God, I want to see change in my life. I want to see something different happen in my life. But if different is supposed to happen in your life, then you're going to have to do something different than what you normally do. So God will speak to you about what you need to do differently. And the question is, will you adopt that thing that he's speaking to you into your life so you can get a different result than what you normally get? That's how change takes place, is that we decide we have to do something different. And again, it doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. It just means you're saying, I want something different in my life. I want to see God do something new in my life. And the way you're going to see that is if you do something different in your life, something new in your life. And then God will reveal to you later on how he will allow you to experience that new thing. That different thing that you've been yearning for, but it starts with you changing the way you normally do things. So it doesn't mean you're not doing what you should do right now. It just means whatever you're doing right now, you will get the results that you've been getting. The results will not be different. Whatever you've been doing, same results. But if you desire strongly to get a different result, then you're going to have to do something differently. That could just mean... You know, and I'm just throwing something out. It could just mean maybe you usually don't fast. And now you decide, you know what? I'm going to start fasting at least one day a week. You could be fasting all the time. But now you, it, you decide, you know what, God? I want to make a difference in somebody's life. Show me the person that I can go make a difference in their life. And God will open your eyes to see that person. And then you start doing what you need to do to make a difference in their life. And so it's just something different that must be, that must transpire in your life. 
something must transpire, something different. And that's what we need to do. So I'm going to teach for the next few weeks on um, some things that I believe we need to know and understand um, as Christians. And hopefully we can adopt them in our life and then we will see different results in our life. As you go into prayer tonight, pray for yourself. Obviously, that change can come into your life and um, make yourself open and available to the change that God wants to bring into your life. Pray about that. Um, pray that God will move here tonight in our midst. Amen. And um, I want you to remember uh, Sister Cole in your prayer tonight. Uh, she had a brother that was sick in Canada, kind of expected him to not be around for the long haul. And the word came down early this morning that he passed away. And so unexpectedly, she has taken it very hard. As we know, she's a strong lady, um, strong in her faith, and, you know, she knows the word, um, but she's taking this a little bit hard. And so, you know, pray her strength in the Lord, uh, pray God's hand upon her, and God will continue to guide her. Um, but you just never know sometimes how you're going to respond to losing a loved one. You just don't know. And um, sometimes the ones you think you might respond to in a certain way is probably not the one you respond to that way. And then others, you just never can tell. You never can tell. But when death comes to your doorstep, whether it's by, you know, um, a relative that's close to you or someone that's close to you, you just never know how you're going to respond. So let's pray her strength in the Lord and that God will keep her and um, keep his hand upon her. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, we give you praise and honor. You're God all by yourself, and we worship you. We thank you tonight, Lord, for your goodness, your kindness, your mercy. We're here tonight, Lord Jesus, under the banner of Christ, gathered together in your name. And, oh, God, it is your purpose we've come to seek. We've come, Lord God, humbly, oh, God, before the throne, saying, Jesus, not our will, but your will be done. We want nothing, Lord God, to be an interference or a hindrance to us, O oh God, connecting with you tonight. From us, Almighty God, hearing what you're speaking into our heart, Lord God. Let nothing, Lord God, hinder us from that tonight. I pray, Lord God, that your spirit will help us to understand and to receive the word of God tonight. I pray and ask that you will impart to us wisdom and knowledge and understanding, Lord God. Oh, Father, we've been praying and calling on your name for change. We've been asking, Almighty God, for change individually as well as collectively as a body. And, Lord, we've been calling on your name. We've been praying the prayers of faith, Lord God. But, Lord, we still haven't experienced the change that we yearn, that we desire, that we want to see. We still have not yet experienced that change. And, oh, God, we've come tonight to... Ask, oh God, that if you will command us, if you will give us clear direction, Lord, if you will speak to us tonight, Lord, regarding what we need to change, regarding what we need to do now, Lord God, we will obey, we will do, for it is change that we're seeking, Lord. Oh God, change that will draw us closer to you. Change, almighty God, that will cause us to walk in the spirit and in the power 
power of your might, but more importantly, Lord, change that will cause us to affect our family members that are unsaved, our loved ones that are unsaved, our co-workers that are unsaved, our neighbors that are unsaved. Oh, God, we're seeking you tonight, Lord, to move upon us and do something in our life that will cause us, Lord, to move into a different realm spiritually, Lord, that we can affect change all around us, that we can affect change wherever we go. So we ask tonight, Lord, that you will show us, that you will speak to us, that you will move upon us, Lord God, to step into a new dimension where we will experience the change that we're yearning, Lord. Oh, God, help us tonight, Lord, that by your spirit, Lord, there will be an impartation, Lord, that by your spirit, Lord, there will be an empowering, oh, God, that will come upon us, Lord, that we will hear clearly and become doers, oh, God, of what the spirit of God, of what the word of God is saying unto us. God, tonight we ask that you will do a mighty work in this place, in this sanctuary. For those that have joined us, Lord God, virtually, I ask that you will do a work right where they are tonight, Lord, for your will to be done, almighty God, in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, God, will you break every stronghold and every chain, Lord God, that have us bound, that, Lord, there will be liberty tonight, that we can walk in the Spirit of God and do the will and the work of God. Have your way tonight. I pray you'll anoint me to speak and minister as your oracle in the name of Jesus Christ, that your will may be done in this place tonight. We thank and praise you, Lord. We give you honor and praise, O oh God. There is none like you, Jesus. Will you hear our requests and our petition tonight and grant them, Lord, for it is your will we seek. Your will be done. Your kingdom come in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray tonight for your child, Sister Cole, Lord God. Will you, Lord God, comfort her? Let her experience your peace and your comfort even now Lord God I pray that your hand will be upon her and that you will touch her body that her body will be strengthened and hold and oh God that you will keep her Lord God will you bless her oh my God will you keep her almighty God and strengthen her in the name of Jesus Christ will you comfort her and their entire family Lord in the name of Jesus will you keep your hand upon her and their entire family, Lord God. Have your way with them, Lord. Bless and keep them, Lord. In the name of Jesus, Lord, have your way in this house tonight. Have your way in their life tonight.
in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. You know, I've come to learn some things. I'm a little inquisitive. And so my brain works in an inquisitive way, which means I probably live for God in an inquisitive way. And um, I try to mark some things that stand out to me whenever I think about the things of God, whenever I experience the things of God. I tend to make a note of them depending on how the experience was and is. And one of the things I've realized about the Lord is when his servants stand before his people to minister his word, he has given us a word for right at that moment and for the future. And sometimes we hear the word of God and we just chalk it up as a good word. That was good. I got notes. And so I made a note of it. But I think that we ought to get ourselves to a place to say, okay, I need to start doing what I'm hearing because if God is allowing his servant to speak it, it's something that I need to pay attention to right now because it's something that I need right now or it will be what I need in the next few moments or the upcoming days or weeks because obviously God knows everything before it even happens. So God is so good to us. When we say God is good, there are so many ways that we can say God is good. And one of the ways that God is good is he tells us things before they happen. Before it rained, he told Noah to build an ark. Way before it rained. Some scholars says 120 years before it rained. He had Noah to build a way of escape. So God always tell his people things way in advance because he wants us to start doing what we need to do that we will not be caught off guard. When he was, we just celebrated resurrection and the Passover, when he was getting ready to pass over and destroy what Pharaoh allowed to become the judgment of his people, he warned them ahead of time. They, they knew what was to come. And so I think that if we want to be more successful at being a Christian, what we ought to do is take heed to the word that God is speaking to us each week because it means something is getting ready to happen where we need this word to be in our life. Somebody say amen. With that in mind, I would like for you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Verse number 13, Matthew chapter 5, verse number 13. We're going to talk a little bit for the next few Thursdays on this topic. Strategic evangelism made practical. Strategic evangelism made practical. Uh, We'll talk about how to strategically evangelize but we will make it practical for you because when people normally lay out a strategic plan, it means you got to follow real closely to understand because it's strategic. Well, we're going to give you strategic plans for evangelism, but make it simple where you can understand it and apply it in your everyday life. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 13 says this. 
Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is hid on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. But on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And so those verses of scriptures, I think at some point in time in our Christian life, we have quoted them in some way, shape, or form maybe even misquoted them, but we've quoted them sometimes to say we're the light of the world and we're the salt of the earth. And so we've said that before. So let's dig into that a little bit more and get further understanding of what it's saying to us. It is not easy to be a dedicated, a dedicated Christian. Somebody say, man, be honest. It is not easy to be a dedicated Christian. But we're striving to be dedicated Christians. Everybody that's a Christian should be striving to be a dedicated Christian. But don't be dishonest with yourself. If you're striving to be a dedicated Christian, then you are supposed to be doing something that you can pinpoint to say, here is what I'm doing as I strive to be a dedicated Christian. Our society is not a friend to God nor to God's people. That word friend is key. Society is okay with us. They just don't want to be our friends. They don't want to be the friend of God. And so society is not a friend to God nor a friend to God's people. Whether we like it or not, there is a conflict between us and the world. Why is that? Because we are different from the world and we have different attitudes than those are of the world. Don't be quiet on me. I need you to be amen in this one. Because the deal is we want to be like the world. Can I say this and I see it? Ask yourself, why do we try so hard? Or why do we give so less resistance in just conforming to a lot of the things of our world? Ask yourself that. Why is that? Is it because we are we happen to be around more worldly people than godly people? And so we just feel like it's just more comfortable to conform to the things of this world than to actually live according to who we are as Christians. Because we seem to be more wanting to conform or to just kind of go with the flow with the things of the world and do not want to stand up as much for the things of God. Well, we have to get it in our spirit that we're not like the world and the world do not want to be our friend. But if the world stand 
the chance of being saved, of being reached and, 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 and knowing who Jesus is. If the world has any chance of that, it's from people like you and I that will stand up and be who we are and not conformed to the things of our world. We want to see our parents saved that are not saved. We want to see our children saved that are not saved. We want to see relatives and friends and co-workers saved that are not saved. But yet we're thinking that the best way to save them is to be in agreement with them. How can we save them? How can we help them if we're in agreement with them? We have to become better at pointing out by the lifestyle we live and the things that we say by being a stand-up Christian without doing anything offensive. Now, sometimes the world would just be offended just because of your presence. Nothing you can do about that. But we sure enough better work on how we can stand up for who we are and be who we are and not worry about the world being offended by it. Because the only way they will ever be saved is if we will be who we are. But somehow we're struggling with being who we are. And the only way the world is going to be saved. Listen to me. Understanding some of the ways of God. If you live that life the way you need to live that life. And the people you're trying to reach kind of don't want to see it. Don't want to talk about it. It's okay. Keep loving them. I know that's a friction for us, but we have to learn how to keep loving and keep being there for people, even when they're not in agreement with how we present ourselves as Christians. We have to learn how to do that. But here is the story. God will continue. Remember Pharaoh. Father of God, I always take me back to that. There's something in that old story with Egypt and Pharaoh and all that stuff that God always made me understand in this story. Remember Pharaoh, high and mighty. Pharaoh, ruler of the world at that time, the strongest nation, so you might as well call it ruler of the world. He had power over the nation of Egypt and had influence over the world. Moses kept being Moses after Moses realized who he was and just living for God. Moses kept being who he is. And the more Moses kept being who he is, the more agitated Pharaoh became at Moses. And every time Pharaoh became agitated, he did something to try to nullify what he thought about Moses' Moses' relationship with God. Moses' religion, as he probably would say. And every time he did something, it would cause him heartache. Follow the ways of God. If you will be a stand-up Christian and you keep loving the people around you that you want to see saved, there will be some times they will have to experience some heartache constantly because that's God's way of showing them, look at what you're going through and look at my people. Look at what you're dealing with and look at my people. Look how much you are frustrated and you don't have no peace. Look at my people. And that's sometimes what God does to help sinners become saved. So what we have to do is keep being who we are and live the life. And the people that 
is not in agreement with how we're living, sooner or later, they will, you know, become disgruntled with us. But we have to hang in there and keep loving them. Because, as you will see as I go on, it's your close proximity to them that gives them that chance of crossing over. But if you abandon them, they will never have a chance to cross over because now they don't see what they need to see. They're not hearing what they need to hear. So we have to keep that close proximity to continue to live this life for them to see. Sooner or later, they're going to be going through stuff. I remember years ago, Dr. Jeffers says, you pray for your son or your daughter for God to save them. And as soon as God starts the process to begin to save them, you get in the way and prevent God from saving them. Because the way God is trying to save them might be they end up in jail. The way God is trying to save them might be they get in a whole lot of trouble. The way God might be trying to save them is they get so sick that they can't move and you want to go get in the way of stopping things. Because God's way of saving people is God's business. All we need to do is live the life. But we're challenged and seem to not want to live the life the way we need to. We want to live the life just a little bit compromised because somehow we think it's better. Somehow we think it works a little bit better if they can relate to me. As we read the Beatitudes, we find that they represent an outlook radically different from that of the teachings of the world. The world praises pride, not humility. The world endorses sin, especially if you get away with it. The world is at war with God while God is seeking to reconcile the world and make them his children. So stop for a moment and think about that. The world is at war with God while God is seeking to reconcile them unto him and save them. So what that means is the friction that they have between them and God is not preventing God from still being loving to them. And we, if we're going to be like Jesus, we have to be the same way. Where the world might not like what we represent because we're trying to be holy and we're trying to be righteous. And so they might not like that because they don't want to be holy and they don't want to be righteous. But the bottom line is God is trying to reconcile them and save them. And in order to do that, there must be a connection there. They must know that we love them no matter what. We must expect to be persecuted if we're living as God wants us to live. We must expect that. And sometimes maybe that's what we're running from. We're running from if I live the way God wants me to live, I won't be likable by everybody. We got to get over that, church. Again, here's here's another example. As a good parent, you want your children to like you, but you want your children to be successful. So sometimes you have to make decisions and do things that 
is going to cause your children to not like you at the moment, but you know it's what's best for your children. Hold on to that same attitude when it comes down to you being a Christian. The people I encounter, family members, those close to me, as I'm being a Christian, as I'm being holy and righteous, they may not like me at the moment for being that way, but at the end of the day, how I live for God is their best opportunity to be saved. And if I live for God wishy-washy, their chance of being saved is further than if I live for God fervently. So the more you live for God wishy-washy, the least the chances are of you impacting your family. Think back if you're a parent to say, I want my children to always feel good about me and always like me. But remember how you parent if you was a good one. They didn't like a lot of things I said. And when I had to whoop their tail, they really didn't like me. But I loved them that much that I was going to do what was necessary and right to make sure they had the best opportunity to live a good life. It's the same thing with being a Christian. They may not like me when I'm walking around looking holy. They may not like me in my conversations. They may not like me the amount of time I go to church and how I follow the word of God. They may not like all of those things, but it's their best chance of them going to heaven because they have an opportunity to be connected to someone that is holy, that is righteous, that are godly and God-fearing because that's what they need. But we're folding up and thinking, how can I compromise enough to make them comfortable and make me comfortable? It won't work. It won't work. I was telling the leaders the other day on our Wednesday night call, I said, understand this as leaders. Whatever the bar you set as a leader the folk that come in after you that are following you will not do what you do. They will do less than what you do. They will not do what you do. They will do less than what you do. So you have to almost set the bar at a place where, you know, it's so high that by the time they do their very best to follow what you do, they would have come up to where they need to be. But if you lower your bars or lower your bar, Theirs is way lower. You can't, you're not helping them. Mm-hmm. So Matthew chapter 5 verse 13 says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. As salt preserves are preserves, and bring out the best flavor of food, so believers should affect others positively. You hear me? Salt preserves and bring out the best flavor in food, and because of that, God used that as an example, teaching us who we are, and so we can understand what we should be all about. And so just like salt should uh, affect food positively, so should believers affect people positively. If a seasoning has no flavor or has lost its taste, it has no value. Can you imagine putting salt on something and when you taste it, there's nothing? 
He imagine you put some season together to rub down your stuff, and when you finish cooking, you taste nothing. Jesus clearly told his disciples, the word, you, is emphatic, meaning you, his followers, that if we wanted to make a difference in the world, we would have to be different from the world. I can't say that enough. We can't fit in and make a difference. As a matter of fact, the world can't wait for you to become more like them so they can stop feeling convicted. And the more you become like the world, the less convicted they are and they become comfortable. You know what that means? They don't need to be saved. That's their thinking. The more you become like them, the more they feel comfortable in who they are so they don't feel like they need to change. I don't need to do all that stuff. So we have to be who we, who we are because when we are who we are, they will feel uncomfortable. And you will know they feel uncomfortable. You just got to be godly enough to know how to stand your ground while they feel uncomfortable around you. <laughs> Help us, Holy Ghost. Christians should not blend in with everyone else. No, no. If we're too much like the world, we become useless. Just a fact. Just a fact. Jesus tells us, as he told the disciples, that we must be different if we want to make a difference. We dare not allow the world to dilute our effectiveness. If we do, we are of no value to the Lord. And I know no one wants to think about that, but if we're not being effective in our world as salt, and later on we'll talk about light, then we're no value to God. We talk all of this stuff about, you know, we just, we just went through that whole thing for the past two weeks. The Lord died to save the soul of men. And here we are compromising his death. Here we are just, just kind of watering down his death and his resurrection. He went through all of that to save every person. And when we compromise in who we are, we're watering down the death of Christ. We're watering down the resurrection because he needs us to live that life faithful and true so people can know who he is, why he died, and how they can be saved. And we represent that when we live out our life. What they said, Brother Kelly, living live in the epistle is what the Bible calls us because we're supposed to live out the life of Christ before the world while Christ is not here physically in the earth. That's our responsibility. And so when we compromise those things, we do Christ a disservice for all that he went through. He went through all of it and here we come with our watered down version. Went through all this stuff, and here we come. Well, you know, that's not. Well, what? The man was beaten, crowned a thorn, spat upon, mocked, lied on, 
and it's no big deal for how we live. We missed it. We missed it. Because what Jesus did when he came also, before he went to the cross, he was the example. He lived a life of example. And when you look at this thing of what he done, he exchanged his life for our life. Remember, Jesus could have stayed here a little longer and walked the earth and say, I am the example and kept walking. But what he did was he exchanged. He said, you all deserve death, but I'm going to die instead. But here's the caveat. While I die and then raise up and go away, I need you to be the one that stand in for me now. You follow what I'm saying? What's the sense of leaving here and going to heaven if I don't have an actual representative of me to do what needs to be done? That wouldn't make sense. And I might as well just stay. So he left here knowing he left representatives, those that are just like him. And those representatives can show the world what he would be like if he was here. We can't compromise it and we can't water it down. What does salt do? Salt makes us thirsty. Salt enhances food by adding flavor. Salt can be used to preserve food. Young people have no clue about that. But some of our elders know when there were no refrigerator, that was it. You, you had to salt up your stuff and put it away safely if you want to keep it. So we know for sure that salt preserved food. We know for sure that salt had flavor. And listen to this secret. You probably don't know this one, but since it was in my wheelhouse, I knew it. You know why they kept um, trail mix and peanuts at bars? Because salt make you thirsty. So they have all these nuts and stuff around the bar. And you sit there. They got a TV going. You sit there. Ooh, you just keep ordering because you're thirsty. And you're not thinking, let me drink water. Nope. Not thinking that. Nope, you want another Heineken. Just saying. Letting you know. And so that's what they do. And so salt makes you thirsty. Salt enhances the, the flavor of the food. And salt preserves the food. Most of all, salt must have high potency or high potency, whatever way you want to say it, and be in close proximity to have an effect. So if salt is not in close proximity, it can't have any effect. If we're going to affect the people around us, we have to be in close proximity. Both components are necessary if we want to be salt on the earth or salt of the earth and have a spiritual impact on our friends. Close proximity, high potency. High potency Christians have three essential traits. 
high-potency Christians have three essential traits. What are those three essential traits? Authenticity, compassion, and sacrifice. Authenticity, compassion, and sacrifice. If you're real salt, you're supposed to be authentic, compassionate, and sacrificial. Now think about salt for a second and think about those words. Salt is authentic. Salt is compassionate. I know, it's a, I know it's a thing, it's not a person, but when you think about how salt makes things good, that's, that, that's a good thing. And salt is sacrificial, it's got to be poured out in order to have effect. <laughs> it's interesting. Let's look at authenticity first. To be authentic, you must be authentic in your identity. To be authentic, you must be authentic in your emotional life. To be authentic, you must be authentic in confession. To be authentic, you ought to be authentic in conviction. So when you say you're salt, it means that you should be authentic, compassionate, sacrificial. But when we say we're authentic, we need to say, you know what? In my identity, I am authentic. You don't need to be anybody else but who you are. I think sometimes in church, that's another thing that we do as Christians. We're trying to, I don't know, put on or to be a certain way. Remember what I told you the other day that I got my little revelation? I'm still on that little revelation. I told you Sunday that when I went evangelizing down at Walmart in my sneakers and my jeans and my hat and just being a regular normal people, and I was walking up to people and giving them a track and talking to them about Jesus, it hit me that pastors are not supposed to do this. Pastors are supposed to be, you know, the dude dressed in the robe and speak a certain way and drive a certain car and live a certain place and be a certain way. And that's what the pastor is supposed to do because the pastor is a representative of the people. And so he got to be a certain way so we can feel good about our pastor and we can brag about him. But we don't need our pastor to be all regular. Because that makes us look less than. That was my revelation God gave me and says, Wayne, that's why Israel rejected you. They wanted me to be a king sitting in my throne and on my throne and being in my kingdom. And they wanted me to have my robe on. And they wanted me to walk around, you know, upright. And, you know, the whole song looking off. They wanted me to look a certain way. And because I was just a regular old servant among them, they despised that. I said, oh, God, this is interesting. This is interesting. This is interesting. But God is working something in me, church. You better stick with it. God is working something in me. And as much as you might see me as a regular old guy, just some dude that just excited about God and love to talk about reaching the lost and yay, preach a good message here and there. You might just see me as a regular old guy, but make no mistake about it. I'm God's man. I'm God's man. And God showed us that he didn't come to say, look at me who I am. 
So therefore, his servants that he uses every day, every week to stand in his in his stead and minister. He wasn't calling them to say, look at me. That scripture that says it made himself of no reputation that never leaves me. It never leaves me about the Lord Jesus made himself of no reputation, but took upon himself the form of a servant. So if you're looking for a church where you can brag on how the pastor speaks and, you know, how he just glides when he walks. Whatever it is that the people look for to just say, see, that's our pastor. Whatever they're looking for for that, you might as well tell them, man, you come to our church. It'd be a minute before you realize who the pastor is because we don't have that kind of stuff. And then some people might not show back up because they want a pastor that's going to be high and lifted up. <laughs> I'm telling you, I got it that day and hit me hard. That's what Israel was upset with. They were so upset that Jesus came as a regular guy. They wanted him to be special. They wanted him to drive in a chariot, the best chariot, all of this stuff. And he a regular dude. Sandals. (laughs) Man, oh man, oh man. But all of what I'm teaching you tonight, it all just come together and make so much sense. He was salt. He was soft, and he know if I'm sitting on my throne and away from the people, I cannot affect them. I have to be among them to affect them. He knew what he was. And so he came among them so he could affect them, not sit up on his throne and tell them, bring me so-and-so-and-so. And all he does is just give orders for so-and-so. You go and you do this. If they can't affect nobody, why would I use them? Authenticity. We must be authentic in our identity, who we are. We must be authentic in our emotional life. Just mean, just be who you are. Cry if you got to cry. Weep if you got to weep. It's okay. We're Christians. We're children of God. We don't need to be superior to one another. We just need to be authentic in Christ. Confession. You can confess that you struggle. You can confess that you have a hard time sometimes. You can confess that you just sometimes find it hard to just do certain things. It's okay. Be authentic. Be authentic in your convictions when you get convicted You know, you ought to be authentic about it and be authentic about the convictions that you carry out to say, this is just how I feel. Be can just be authentic about it. High potency or potency, Christian, authentic, compassionate, compassion in how they live their life, compassion in how they give compassion in what they receive. We got to have some compassion if you're going to be authentic Christian. We got to be a Christian. If we're going to be high potency Christian, 
we have to be sacrificial. The sacrifice of our time. The sacrifice of our resources. And the sacrifice of our lifestyle. Sacrifice is not sacrifice when it's convenient. Sacrifice is not sacrifice when it's convenient. What do you mean by that, preacher? Well, today I'm not busy. So I'll log on to the Wednesday evening meeting. So I'll just log on. I'll do that because I'm not busy. I'm good. Oh, I'll go to church on that day because I'm not busy that day. Oh, I'll wake up and pray if I can't sleep. You follow where I'm going with this? Like you can do what is right in the eyes of God, but it can also be considered not a sacrifice. And God wanted to sacrifice. So you waking up because you couldn't sleep. Well, I'm up. I might as well pray. I'm not telling you that doesn't happen. And I'm not telling you you won't have those days where you just can't close your eyes and then you just realize, you know what? I better take this time and pray. I'm just saying if you normally don't pray, get up and pray. But you couldn't sleep one morning and you pray. That wasn't sacrificial. You come to church on a day where nothing was going on. Nobody called you and said, let's hang out. Your favorite show on TV not coming on. Nothing going on. And so now you ended up in church. That's not sacrifice. We got to sacrifice our life. Because that's what Jesus did. Mm -hmm. Think of the people on your impact list. You know what that list is? Your impact list. The people you have a chance to impact regularly, particularly those who are not saved, are the people on your impact list. So, let's start thinking about people we know that we are exposed to regularly and they're not saved. Those are people on your impact list. You have to think about those people all the time and pray for those people all the time. That's what salt is supposed to do. We're high potency. We need to think about the people all around us that are not saved that we encounter regularly. And we need to start praying for them. And when I say pray for them, say, God, I know it is your will that they're saved. Can you use me if you choose to help them get saved? Can you use me if you choose to lead them to salvation? You see, sometimes we want people saved, and we might not admit it, but we want them to get saved by somebody else helping them, not us. Because it's going to cost us too much work for us to get involved and help them get saved. They don't listen to me. I've been going to church for a long time. I've been telling them, come to church. I've been telling them about Jesus, but they won't listen. So probably it would be better if somebody else tell them. Is that the truth? 
or is it that you just don't want to do the work? And so when you pray for the people that you encounter regularly that are not saved, God, I'm here. I'm willing. I know you choose however you want to do it, but I want you to know I'm here and I'm willing. And if your heart is right when you say that, then there will come the time where God will use you to be the salt in their life. But the prayer that we pray must be that way because remember what I told you. God wants them saved more than you want them saved. Don't ever mistake that. We don't have to go tell God, oh, God, save them. And God said, what do you think I'm trying to do? You want to help? Because that's really his response to us. What do you think I'm trying to do? Are you going to help me? Because that's what I've been trying to do. Matter of fact, I just heard the Holy Ghost say, I've been trying my best to try to save them for the longest, and you're just messing it up because you won't live right. You send the mixed messages. The Holy Ghost, take it if you want. God is doing his best to reach the world. The question is, are we hindering that or we are helping that? Because if we are not being authentic in who we are as Christians, if we're not living the Christian life that we're supposed to, we're hindering what God is trying to do. By sending mixed messages to our world. God is leading them a certain way, trying to put things into their heart. When they come to church, God makes sure the right word is preached. And then they see our lifestyle and see how we operate. And they see nastiness coming from us. And they see just just wishy-washiness coming from us. And they see compromise coming from us. And they're like, okay. They're not thinking about getting saved. But if we can back the Lord up, whatever he is saying to them, whatever he's putting to their heart, and we will live that out, then that makes it all the more better. And that's what God is looking for from us, that whatever he's speaking into their heart, whatever he's speaking into their mind, we're living the life to confirm it. He needs us to confirm it, not make them say, oh, okay, I ain't got to do that. It's like God is telling people, I know some people are going to be offended by this one. You ready for this one? It's okay. God already put me in a different zone, so I just got to say the things that he put on my heart to say. It's like this. God says, be holy. And make no mistake about holiness. I know it starts from within. But you can't be holy without the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. And holiness, I know, starts from the inside. So there's a time in in the process of you becoming holy, I becoming holy, that the inside becomes clean, but the outside is not really representing really what's going on in the inside. There is a time like that in most of us life when we become Christian. That inside is holy, and we're working toward, the Spirit of God is working toward making the outside clean as well. And so there's that, that point in time. And so, but when it finally happens where we're holy, it means we're holy on the inside, we're holy on the outside. And so a non-Christian comes in and they hear holy. And then we're the church that says this Sunday, jeans and t shirt 
Y'all just go hate this pastor and abandon ship or whatever y'all want. I don't know what y'all going to do, but God is convicting me on stuff these days. But, you know, God is saying we need to be holy. And then the preacher preaching, you know, supposed to be preaching, be holy. And then the individual that is trying to set, get saved comes in. And that's the Sunday white T-shirt and jeans. Oh, we're having this special service today. White. What does that do to that person that God is working on their heart? Telling them, I'm a God that is holy. Be ye holy for I am holy. In their mind, oh, so you can be holy and wear your jeans and t-shirt in church? I'm just telling you. That's how they process it. And you might say, well, what's wrong with that? Go back and read your Bible. And you'll figure out what's wrong with that. Back in the day, still today, when you go before any dignitary, you can't go look at any kind of way. <laughs> Whether it's going to see a king, you can't go see the king until the king say come. The first thing. If you're going to go see some dignitary, whether it's a president or a prime minister or somebody over in the royal family, you got to be dressed a certain way. Am I right or wrong? So when we come to church, aren't we coming before the king? That's what I'm saying. I t- I've been telling people, let's not even go through the trivial stuff that we've been hung up on for years because I'm tired. I've been living for God just for a little bit, and some of it is just common sense. And for me to go through that explanation of, ah, I don't want to go through it. Just do whatever you want. I don't want to go through that. Because there's too much common sense that's attached to God. God made sure he gave us the natural example before he turned us on to the spiritual. So that way we'd already understand why he's saying it spiritually because we understood it naturally. So in this life, if we got to go before kings and we got to go before dignitaries, we got to put on something decent. I mean... It might be changing a little bit, but for many years, when you were going before your honor, you got to put something on decent to go before your honor. So is it okay to just come before our king? Okay, I hear what you're saying. God says, come as you are. Come as you are. All I'm saying is, Once he starts working in your life and you understand when we come into the house of God, we have come before our king to worship him. When you get to that place in your maturity and you growing up in God and you understand that, are you still coming as the day you first came? The king showed you mercy so you can come whenever you came the first time. And now you just want to take him for granted and come however you want now. When the first time around, he was just being merciful because he didn't have to do it. Close proximity relationships. Jesus spent most of his time with those outside the religious establishment, with sinners, that he may impact their life by being himself around them. So let me say this as I close. I know we're supposed to be holy. 
I know we're supposed to be righteous. I know we're supposed to fellowship with one another. But ask yourself the question, how do we impact sinners if we don't get around them? How will we impact sinners if we're not around them? So that's a prayer you need to incorporate in your prayers to say, God, I need you to direct me as to how I will get around sinners to impact their life without allowing the stain of sin to come in my life. Because that is important. Because that's where sinners are more than any place else. When we say we get two guests on a Sunday in church, we say, yeah, and we should say, yeah, that's true. When you go around sinners, I mean, it's in the bunches. And that's where you want to be sought. And so the question we need to ask the Lord and pray about, Lord, how do I get around sinners to be sought and affect them without them affecting me? Pray about that, church. That's essential. The Lord said we're salt, and we need to be salt. The Lord, the Lord said we're salt, and we need to be salt. I'm going to stop right there. Next week, we'll keep going. We'll pick back up, and I'll talk about barriers to building relationship with sinners and how we can overcome those barriers. So we can build relationship with sinners because that's who we're supposed to impact. That's where the salt is at its best. And so we'll talk about the barriers and how to overcome those barriers. And then we'll continue to go further into our lesson. Strategic evangelism made practical. Any questions from anyone? So let's stand. Tomorrow, if you can make it to Secaucus, New Jersey, love to have you. The ride is about an hour, 10 minutes maybe, hour 10 at the most. Straight up the turnpike. I think it's exit 15 or 16, 16. And once you come off the highway, it's only five minutes off the highway, if that, probably less than that. You can join us 7.30 tomorrow. We'd love to have you. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for allowing us to come together one more time. Jesus, help us, almighty God, to not let this word escape us. That, Lord, what we have heard tonight in our hearing, we will take note. We will ponder. And, oh, God, we will become doers and not merely just hearers. Lord, we're not into, oh God, just obtaining knowledge. To, 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 to get among people to display how much we know. Uh, but God, what we want to be is be salt. We want to get around people and affect them. We want to be high potency for them, Lord God. That we can be authentic, Lord God. That we can touch them in a way, Lord God, that will cause them to look to you. That will cause them, oh God, to want to know you. That will cause them to seek you, Lord God. Lord, we want to truly be who you've called us to be. 
We want to be authentic, Lord. We don't want to put on, Lord God. We don't want to, Lord God, make believe. But, Lord, we want to walk in authenticity, Lord God, in righteousness and in holiness and who we are that we can impact our world and all those that we encounter, Lord God, all those that are on our impact list, Lord God, those who are unsaved that we encounter, how, Lord God, when we come encounter with them, we're able to let our light shine, Lord God, and to show you, Lord God, that is in us among them, Father. Oh, God, I feel your presence, oh, God. Oh, God, whatsoever you're doing, go ahead and do it. I promise, Lord, I surrender to you. I give myself to you, and I say, command me as you will, Lord God, for I will do what you want me to do. This life, oh God, is not my own. You have already purchased it with the precious blood. And oh God, it's no longer me that live, but it's Christ that liveth in me and liveth through me. And oh God, I give you, oh God, the praise and the honor, Lord God. Have your way in me. Have your way in the people of God in this church, Lord God. That they can be who you call them to be. That they, Lord God, will put their head up, Lord God. Lift their head up and square their shoulders, Lord God. And walk, Lord God, as children of the Most High God. And walk, Almighty God, in righteousness and holiness. And walk upright, Lord God. And not allow the world, Lord God, to stain them and affect them. But they will affect and influence, Lord God, our world. Have your way, Lord God. Establish us, Lord God. And strengthen us as a people, Lord. That your will be done, Lord God. That your kingdom will manifest, Lord God. Have your way, Lord Jesus. We need you, O oh God. We pray your blessing and your strength, Lord God. Have your way, O oh great God. We give you the praise and the honor tonight, Lord. We give you the praise and the honor tonight, Lord. For there is none like you. You are the author and finisher of our faith. And tonight we say thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord God, for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness, your mercy, your love. Thank you, Almighty God. Oh, hallelujah. Will you continue to bless and keep us? Will you continue to let your face shine upon us and be gracious unto us? As we give you the praise and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God bless you, church. Thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in online. Have a great rest of your evening. Hallelujah. forget, please, building fund, if you have something to give toward the building fund, please do. Amen.